Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Well, the Junior Show, everybody. That was totally unexpected, but we're here, and I'm glad that you are uh, joining me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. The George Wilder Junior Show is now on the air, and it's beautiful in the city of Chicago. Uh, we're trying to get Christmassy here. In other words, we're trying to get in the mood for Christmas. We're trying to get that Christmas spirit around here, and I hope you guys are doing the same thing. And uh, I'm looking out my studio window here, and I see uh, all kinds of Christmas decorations. We've decorated a little bit around here to make it look a little bit, you know, like Christmas. You know, it might not look all that much like Christmas around here, but if you, you know, walked into the studio, you could see that uh, there is some Christmas spirit here. And uh, Merry Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year. Uh, another year is just about come. It's just about gone, and another year is uh, uh, on its way in. And uh, hopefully, uh, uh, I never was much for uh, Christmas um, resolutions because I, because I never could keep them, just like so many people around the world and around the country, millions of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even bother to make them anymore. If I say anything about next year, about being a, a good person or a better person or making a lot of more money, which is not impossible, but you never know. I don't. I don't know. But anyway, um, I never did like to make uh, uh, resolutions because they they. I just you know 
they either don't come true or I just uh, or I just stop giving a damn, you know. So, uh, but I'm gonna say this. I think for 2019, I'm gonna try to be a better person, a better radio host, a better writer, a better this or that, better a better uh, father to my son. Yeah, my son's in college. He he goes to college, and uh, you know, and I'm very very proud of him. But I don't still think he knows what he wants to do with his life, and that's boggling. You know, when you got a kid that you've uh, raised uh, from infancy, uh, raised up from infancy, and uh, you you did every you've done everything you could, you've done everything you can to try to uh, to. Uh, you've done everything you can to try to uh, get him to see things the right way, um, uh, career career wise and all that kind of thing, job wise, and and I, I, he just doesn't know what the hell he wants to do. I said, "What do you want to be?" Uh, uh, <laughs> that's all I get. <laughs> uh, uh, social worker. <laughs> well, that's. You know, that's, I mean, he, sometimes I'll say what you want to be, what you want to do with your life, what you want your career to uh, uh, to be like. He'll look at me for about five minutes before he answers. And that, that tells me he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And I always tell him, you better find out what you want to do with your life. And you're going to be out there on the street. Uh, regardless, you know, you have to know what you're going to do with your life. And I try to tell a lot of people that. I mean, if, especially uh, people graduating from high school and on their way to college, you better know what you want. And, you know, you talk to – and that that's why a lot, of, a lot of counselors are available at some of these schools to help kids to try to find out what path they want to take uh, in life once they, you know, graduate high school, get a – you know uh, – a few years or or four year college or a four year university or something people majority of the time when you when you are in a four year university you know what you want to do you know what you want to be you know what your career path is my son doesn't he's not in a four year university he he's going to a junior college so he can learn about what is what life is like at a four-year university. I, I didn't want him to go directly from high school to a four-year university. I wanted him to stop in between to a junior college to learn about the life, uh, 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 co- college life, campus life, and all that kind of thing, and to try to give him a little bit more time to figure out what the hell he wants to do with his life. <laughs> because I don't think he's the only kid out there who who is in college, going to college, city college, um, who hasn't already, who really don't know what they want to do in life. And if you talk to some of the counselors and the advisors at some of these schools, they'll say, well, George, that's normal for someone who is 18, 19 years old to not actually know what they want to do with their lives. I don't know. I don't know if I should swallow that or not. I do know that uh, if if a child is really interested in doing something that they love uh, uh, later on in life, they would probably start at a very, very young age. 
maybe seven or eight, nine years old, maybe 15 or 16. But when you get to be 18 and 19 and you still don't know what the hell you want to do with your life and you're in college, everybody lost. Everybody is pulling for you. A lot of money is being paid out to to get you uh, uh, to try to figure out what you want to do with your life, and and you still don't know something is really really fucked up. Something is screwed up. But hopefully, my son and a lot of other people out here who not figured out what they want to do with their lives, and they're in college, they're eighteen, nineteen, and twenty years old. And they still feel as though they do not know what they're going to do with their lives. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking it at some point in some time is going to be too damn late for you to figure it out. Because if you go to a job counselor, if you go to a job interview and, you know, the interviewer is asking you a bunch of questions and then all of a sudden it leads to, are you still in school? Uh, what are you gonna? Uh, what are you taking? What, what's your major? What's your minor? What you want to be in life? Uh, what's your career uh, outlook is like? And you sitting up there and you looking dumbfounded. You think that interviewer is going to um, hire you? No, I wouldn't. I mean, if someone came to me and sat in front of me and said, George, I don't know what the hell I want to do, but I want, I want you to hire me. I want a job. But, but I don't know what I want to do. I just don't know. I mean, you're 60 years old and you don't know what you want to do, what you've been doing, <laughs> what you've been doing so far. You know, I mean, people do that. People um, um Never amount to anything. I mean, you know, they never amount to anything because they don't know what the hell they're going to do. If you don't know what you're going to do, no one else knows what you're going to do. And the employer is not going to want to hire you because you not, you don't know what the hell you want to do. This is, I've always tell my son, it's tough out here. It's hard. Uh, things are, are, are expensive. I mean, it's whether you live in an apartment or a condo or a house, if you live in a house, you don't have a fixed mortgage, you screw. I mean, it, the mortgage is going to go through the roof. And in some apartments, uh, there's no rental cap on the increases that a landlord can go. They can go as high as they want to. Uh, obviously, that forces a lot of people out of those apartments because the, they get too high and you just have to you know, move out and try to find something more comfortable that you uh, that you can afford, but I, I always tell my son you're gonna uh, you really need to focus on what you're gonna do with your life because it's tough out here in America today 2019 2018 2019 it's tough things are tougher food is higher um clothing is high thing has gone up you know <laughs> nothing has gotten better i mean if you walk into a supermarket and we do go to go and get groceries everybody does and you go over to the cereal department you see how small some of those cereal boxes have gotten how thin they are they used to be pretty thick pretty wide and thick some of those cereal boxes they're really thin now and they give you because of that they're giving you less of less content, less food that's inside the box. Uh, 
And uh, the funny thing about that, even though the manufacturers factors of some of these cereal bo- cereals on the shelf in some of these stores, they're charging you more for less. And that's what's happening almost everywhere. You being charged more for less. Gasoline, for instance. You know, a lot of people don't drive that much anymore because they know that gasoline is going to go up. But, but if, speaking of gasoline, a lot of, a lot of uh, gasoline prices have gone down a few pennies. I'm surprised they haven't reached $4 already. So, But still in all, a lot of people still can't uh, uh, afford high-priced gasoline in some, in some areas and in some states around America. And I tell my son, I said, it's going to get tough. You better find out what you want to do, and you better find out what you want to do fast. I'm here to help you. I've always been here to help you, but I can't help you if you don't know what the hell you want. <laughs> and I have raised him up, and I have, I, I have uh, talked to him. I have lectured him on everything there is to be uh, lectured on about life itself. And being out here in the world on your own without me, without his mother, and doing his own thing, being his own person, being a great part of society, and contributing and producing. But he doesn't want, but he doesn't know what he wants to do. And I say again, I've told him, I said, Denver, if you don't know what the hell you want to do, then nobody else is going to want you because there's nothing you are interested in. I have tried to get this guy interested in baseball, football, acting, doing uh, doing the radio show here. I have, uh, I mean, and numerous other things. Golf. I mean, these are the things that I've tried to get him interested in because we actually went out and and, and done a lot of these things as he was growing up. Uh, I tried to get him interested in, and uh, at one point I thought he wanted to be a comedian. So at one time I said, uh, you want to be a comedian? He said, yes. I mean, he was about, I don't know, 12, 13 or something. <laughs> he wants to be a comedian. I said, uh, okay. He stood up in the living room here and, um, I said, okay, um, tell a joke. I said, he stood right up here in the studio and I said, tell a joke. He told the joke. It was not funny. <laughs> he told another joke. It wasn't funny. But you know what was funny? What was funny that what was funny about him telling jokes that weren't funny is that he had the gall to tell jokes that were not funny. You ever laughed at a at, at, at a comedian who was t- who told a joke that wasn't funny, but you laughed at him because he tried to be funny and he wasn't. And that's the way it was with my son. I laughed at him because he was trying to be funny and wasn't. Now, maybe he could get by with that. I don't know. (laughs) But he told me that he wanted to be a comedian. So I went out and I purchased uh, joke books for him, you know, uh, so he can have some pretty decent, you know, material. Uh, If he's trying to, you know, be a comedian and he using his classroom as his audience, his classroom, his students, uh, you know, his uh, classmates as his audience. And I went out and bought him some jokes. And, and, and after a while, he, he didn't pick it up anymore. He didn't want, he didn't 
uh, act as if he wanted to be a comedian. Uh, okay, so that's down the tube. That's something he didn't want to do. I, um, but the only thing that I actually notice that my son really wants to do is play games. Games. I mean, while he's in college, on his college days, yeah, when he when he's in college, when he's going to college, uh, the his favorite thing about going to college is gamers. Some activity called gamers, where he plays games. I said, you know, I said, I say to him, I say, um, gamers, and he goes almost every day when there's no classes. So no classes for him. And it's okay. I mean, but he goes every day. I say, every time he goes out, I say, where are you going? I'm going to Gamers. Gamers? Oh, okay. That's at college? Okay. okay. It's where they play video games. And this morning, he took about six video games out of here at, uh, because he was going to Gamers. I said, Denver, you, you it, it's Gamers? Always Gamers? Is there any um, classes there for reading or writing or, or uh, math? He didn't say anything. The only time he says something is when I say gamers. Oh, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> and this is how he just lose interest in just about everything. I thought at one point in time he was going to be a musician. Yeah, so I went out and I bought a piano. Well, yeah, a keyboard, actually. And I bought some Congos, you know, so he can, because when he was in a grammar school, uh, yeah, high school, actually, when he was in high school, he was in a, he was in the school band and he played the percussions. So I thought he was interested in that. So I went out and bought some percussions. I bought a uh, keyboard and I bought uh, some music and I was and I, I I spent a few years trying to teach him how to read music and at some point he was getting it he was getting it uh, uh, and he was playing the piano the keyboard very 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 well he was reading music and playing the keyboard at the same time I I, I taught him all of that he didn't go to a music school he didn't uh, take lessons online. He didn't do anything. He did not watch YouTube videos. It was totally me teaching him how to read and play the piano. And he was getting it. He was getting it. I had uh, uh, quarter notes, eighth notes, whole notes, <laughs> 16 notes all around his, the area. And I, you know, so he would know what they are and what they look like and what how many beats one note gets, or you know, if it was high, low, or whatever on the staff line, I taught him all of that. And he, for a while, he was into it. But then he lost interest, gave it all up. I have a piano right here in my studio. He pretends like he doesn't see it. He pretends like he doesn't know it even exists. You know, and when I go to play it, he pretends like he can't hear it. He'll put earphones on, <laughs> you know, so uh, he lost interest in that, you know. Um, he just lost interest in everything. I mean, there is nothing 
that he's interested in, nothing whatsoever. And I've always told him the only reason why he's still here with me is because he's in college. If he wasn't in college, I would be like the rest of the folks out here. I would just have to get rid of him. I mean, you can't keep a grown man around you all the time who is not about nothing. You can't keep somebody who around you who is not interesting, who doesn't care about being interesting, who doesn't care about becoming nothing or making nothing out of their lives when you've tried so damn hard. I've had headaches and... <laughs> you know, uh, bouts of stress trying to teach and show this guy. And other people have too. I mean, he's gone to schools and nothing, nothing. He is just not interested in anything whatsoever. You know, I, I said, Denver, you, 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 you're you going to have to do something with your life or you're going to end up on the street. Your mother... uh is not going to take care of you. I, I'm not around to take care of you. What are you going to do? We're trying to give you a lifeline. We're trying to help you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We don't want you out on the street homeless. We're trying to uh, do everything we can for you. He's just not interested. He's just not interested. And so many people have told me um, when my son was in grammar school, when he was in high school, and I believe what they told me. I do believe it. I, I, uh, I concluded that they were right because they were. Basically, they said that my son were, was, is a follower. He's not a leader. He follows. And I tried to tell him that and... Uh, and he is, and I think he still is a follower. He likes to follow people. And I've always told him, and I still stress to him today, be a leader. Instead of following people, have them follow you. However, he doesn't get it. And by him being an adult, you know, uh, you, you, I kind of give up on trying to uh, – to tell him about how to be a leader. And I, I, I always stress to him, Denver, no one wants to be around a follower. No one wants to be around someone who is not about something. No one wants to be with you unless you're doing something great. He's not interested in basketball. I tried to get him to play basketball. It's just not in his cards. He's not into baseball. I tried the baseball with him. He it just I think he loves sports. I think he loves sports, but he loves sports for me. He doesn't love sports for himself. Like if we're in a house, you know, and the television is off, he'll go turn the television on to a football game because he knows I like to watch football. But he's not going to watch it, but he just turns it on for me. Uh, he wants to see me watch it while he goes over here and watch something stupid on television. He likes stupid crap. I mean, he likes stuff that, that's crazy. He likes stuff. I, I, a, a lot of times I'll tell him, Denver, 
that's for children. You you are an adult. You're 19. You're going to be 20. You are an adult. When are you going to stop uh, watching that silly crap on television? And I've always told them that the television is an idiot box. And it is. Depends on what you're watching. It really is. And he watches the idiot box. And then sometimes he doesn't watch television at all. But it's on. It's all he he has a television. He doesn't watch it at all because he he's on the computer all the time. He loves a computer. He loves. At one time, I thought he was gonna you know be a computer musician. He lost interest in that. Now all he does is watch stupid, silly videos, laughing over there, jumping up and down, you know. So after a while, you know, a parent, after a while, a parent, um, gives up, gives up. And as I've said now, he's in college, and I don't think he still knows what he wants to do. Uh, I told him to... Um, go out for social work because I think that's, you know, it's not strenuous, strenuous, I'm sorry, uh, anything. But I told him he had to read. <laughs> and that's one of the things he doesn't like. Uh-oh. <laughs> he, he has to read. I said, you're going to have to read, fill out uh, papers for people. You're going to have to recommend people. You're going to have to... Uh, write inquiries and stuff like that and referrals. You're going to have to use a computer. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff. You know, um, I don't think he wants to do that, but he, but he's trying to please me and saying, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, Denver, if you get a social, a job in social work and you screwing up at the desk or you're screwing up at your desk or you're not following the rules or you're not paying attention or you're not focusing they're going to put you in the back room and give you a mop. You have to, I told them, you have to like what you're doing. You have to like what you're doing. If you don't like what you're doing, your clients, the public, they're going to see that, and they're going to complain about that. You have to love what you're doing. So I actually think that my son is not going to, he could surprise me. But from what I've seen so far, nah, he could surprise me. And I'm hoping that he does surprise me. And uh, right now he's supposed to be here with me in the studio. I told him to be here at exactly six o'clock. I knew he wasn't going to be here because, because he's afraid that I might ask him to, I might ask what went on at, at his college today. You know, what did they do? Right now, he's telling me that, you know, they're getting ready for uh, a Christmas at his school, and they're having all kinds, and he's working on some final projects. Every time I ask him uh, what he's working on, he'll just say final projects, and I'll say, what uh, What are the final projects? Well, they're just what I'm working on. Okay, so what are you doing? Oh, we're working on the final projects. What are the final projects? Well, they're just uh, things we're working on. He's always, he's always so vague, and I've tried to tell him, speak clearly and speak concise. You know, uh, uh, what did you do today? Oh, we did some things. What kind of things? Oh, we did those things from yesterday when we did some things. 
Okay. Specifically, what did you do? Oh, we uh, uh, did those things on some of those areas over there. Okay. That's how he talks. <laughs> and I try to tell him, I said, man, give me a break. You got to be clear. You got to concise. I mean, you can't sit down in front of a interviewer if you're expecting a job and you're talking vague like that. I don't know if he, if, if he talks like that because he's nervous when I'm asking him questions. Sometimes if you get nervous in front of somebody, you, you know, you, you, you don't talk clearly. You don't, you don't, you're not very, very clear at what you're saying. I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe he's, he gets nervous in front of me because he knows I'm going to ask him some questions and, uh, and he's, but I don't know. I don't know. This could be what he is because he's not so far, so far at this, show he's not interested in nothing but he but one of the things i can say about my son denver he loves being away from me he loves being away from me i mean this guy i mean we was i mean i couldn't get him to walk down the street with me daddy you are an embarrassment daddy you look bad daddy you got a pot gut daddy you're old i'm young i don't want my friends to see 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 you with me <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. I mean, if I, I mean, because when he was small, we used to be together all the time. We were like Siamese twins. We just stuck together. You know, took him everywhere, all over the place. You know, and introduced him to a lot of things, a lot of new things that he ha- had never seen or experienced. Uh, you know, I was all over that. Uh, but now that he's an adult. You know, if I say I want to go, I want to go with you to do this. I want to do it by myself. I want to go by myself. I want to do it on my own. You know, I said, okay, all right. Then he goes out and he does it on his own. But he has to remember the reason why he does it on his on his own is that I taught him how to do things on his own. And in some cases, I am pretty proud that he can do a lot of things on his own, because a lot of times I can't be with him. A lot of times, I mean, when I was used to take him to the when I used to take him to the doctor or the dentist or some other place, you know, uh, now he goes to those places by himself. He goes by himself. But some of the doctors and the, uh, and the nurses are telling me that they would rather have me with him because there's certain kinds of questions they want answered that he cannot, you know, answer. You know, so and I understand that. I I really do understand it. But he likes to you know do things on his own now, and that's great. But you know he's not doing a lot of things, and and I really do want him to find a girlfriend and get married. I truly would love for this guy to find a girlfriend and get married. <laughs> I so I asked him the other day. I said, Denver uh, Wilder is going to go away if you don't find a girlfriend or get a wife, have a baby, and prolong the name. Name your son or your daughter Wilder. Um, especially, more likely your son. Sometimes women get married and uh, you know, they, they take the name of their husband but, you know, have a son and um, prolong the Wilder name. If, if, if the if you don't prolong the Wilder name, then, you know, it's, it's going to go away, you know, (laughs) 
uh, you know, I don't think that's going to motivate him to find a girlfriend. And, and in some in some cases, Denver is a very handsome man. He is a handsome guy. Girls will flock at his feet. But maybe he maybe it's something inside of him saying no. I don't know. You know, I he I, I don't know. I don't. He hasn't brought anyone home yet, so I don't know. But he says he has a girlfriend. He says he knows girls. But I do know, and I try to tell him, girls really do not want guys who are followers. Girls are looking at, especially young girls, they're looking at guys who are about something. About something. Uh, girls want sex. That's no doubt about that. Young girls want sex. But they also, I mean, if you're looking for someone that, uh, for a relationship, I think uh, I think a young girls want someone who is about something. Yeah, you can say, wow. Denver is about something, Mr. Wilder. He's in college. Yes, that is doing something. That's why he's still here. <laughs> that is doing something. But once he graduates, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. And uh, I really don't because uh, the guy doesn't – he loses interest in, in everything except for stupidity. Yeah, he loses interest in, in, in everything that's important. He loses interest in everything that's good for him. He loses every interest in everything that that he needs uh, to prolong or to start a lifelong career. I always told him, never think of finding a job as a job. You're not looking for a job, I tell him every day. So you're not you're looking for a career, something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. The rest of your life, you don't want a job. I mean, <laughs> you want a career. And I'm here to help him. I told him, I, I told him, I tell him almost every day, Denver, I am not your enemy. I am not your adversary, your foe or anything. I am your father. And my job is to help you to um, have a life after I'm gone, after you, after your mother's gone. We don't want to think that you're going to be a bum. We don't want to think that you're going to be homeless or out on the street because you have no interest in anything or you don't want to do anything. We want to make sure that you're um, um, successful at something, at something, you know, <laughs> for real, at something. Uh, because, folks, I have tried everything with this guy. I have really, really bent over backwards for my son to try to get him interested in something. Um, I think he likes girls, but I don't think he really, really are interested in girls. Or I know they're, they're interested in him, but it, maybe it's something about him that pushes them away. And that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's something about him that pushes girls away. Because I have seen my son push people away. I've, se I've seen it with my own eyes. Push people away. You know, that, that's trying to be friends with him. Especially as he was growing up. And I didn't like that. So I'm thinking that he's probably pushing some girls away. And, uh, you know. And then there's people I've seen uh, bully my son. I've seen people bully him, especially when he was growing up, as, when he was in first, third, or fourth grade. I mean, I used to walk up to his school, and after, you know, after school, 
let out. I used to walk up to a school and uh, I would see somebody beating up on him. I mean, I mean, this guy, this bully would be on top of my son, punching him all in the face. And I would run up against him and just throw him off my son. And I, and, and I, um, I have seen parents um, egg their little children on to bully other kids in the playground. I've seen parents knowing that their son or child is beating up on another child, but the parent turns their back as if they don't see what's going on. That's because the parent themselves are probably bullies. I've uh, talked extensively about bullying, I believe, on the on yesterday's show, I believe. And, uh, yeah, my son used to be bullied. I mean, this guy was, like, bullied almost every day. He went to, he went to class, you know. If he wasn't being bullied on the playground field, he was being bullied inside the school. There were even, there were even some teachers who had things against my son. And I was shocked at that. There were even some young teachers who didn't like my son. And I didn't understand that. I'm saying that you're a teacher. Uh, Kids look up to you guys. But you had some teachers who discriminated against certain types of children. And they made no bones about it. You know, they didn't like certain. And my son was a certain type of a child. There's no doubt about it. That's why he's not interested in a damn thing. He's a certain type of a child, but you know he's not a bad-looking child. Uh, like I said before, he's a bad-looking man, uh, young man. He's a young man. He's only at this point he's only 19 years old. So you know, and, but um, I'm still I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping that um, he will you know uh, fool me. Or, or surprise me one day and wanting to make something of his life. And because I've, uh, I've so far, I've, you know, sent him to grammar school, high school. Now, now I'm sending him to college all because I want him to be successful at something. I want him to be a leader. I want him to be smart, intelligent, bright, because he's going to need it out here in this world. I want him to be able to think. I want him to be able to put two and two together and come up with a solution. You know, I want him to lead. I want him to be married with a girlfriend and have kids so he can, you know, prolong the Wilder name. This is what I want. <laughs> Will I get it? I don't know. I, I have no clue. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I've just been rambling on. Folks, we will be right back if we can take a, let's see what we got here, a musical break.
headline tweet storm president of the united states has spent the past few days denying that the death of 3,000 american citizens in puerto rico even occurred that's right president trump wants us to believe that the official death toll in puerto rico 2,975 the number of people who died as a direct result of the storm and the federal government's insufficient response to it is a hoax a lie a conspiracy against him, because that's how pathologically insecure he is. September 20th, less than a week away, marks one year since Maria ravaged Puerto Rico, and we just recently got the official death figures, and no thanks to the federal government. The governor of Puerto Rico had to ask researchers at George Washington University to get actual figures, figures that the president is now insisting must be made up. Just last night, Trump tweeted, When Trump visited the island territory last October, officials told him in a briefing 16 people had died from Maria, according to the Washington Post. This was long after the hurricane took place. Over many months, it went to 64 people. Then, like magic, 3,000 people killed. They hired GW Research to tell them how many people had died in Puerto Rico. How would they not know this? This method was never done with previous hurricanes because other jurisdictions know how many people were killed 50 times last original number no way this latest tweet storm comes a day after trump accused democrats yes democrats of inflating the number just to make him look bad of course he offered no evidence to support his wild claim because there is none it's a lie and it's a particularly odious one here's the deal this president it appears is incapable of ex expressing empathy the basic human decency, or even accepting reality when confronted with it. That's both disturbing and alarming. But this is sadly what we've come to expect from him, and it seems pointless to ask him to do better. What is stunning to me, however, is the lack of pushback from Republican leadership. 
In response to the president's offensive tweets denying the deaths of American citizens, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said nothing. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan has said he has no reason to doubt the numbers. Okay. Senator Lindsey Graham questioned the methodology of the report. Here's an idea. Compel your government to do its job and assess the death toll itself, and you wouldn't have to question the methodology of a college-commissioned study. But how hard is it for a member of Congress to say the president is wrong, the numbers are right, Puerto Rico has suffered enough, and this just adds insult to injury? Why does that, acknowledging the deaths of American citizens, suddenly require political courage? Why does that now imperil an elected official's re-election efforts? Why does that somehow become partisan? Because the President of the United States is a bully and the Republicans who support him are cowards. Meanwhile, another storm, equally as real, continues to wreak its havoc on the southeastern coast. What started as a Category 4 hurricane, now Tropical Storm Florence, is moving westward. It's seen significant, unprecedented flooding in the Carolinas. And according to officials, nearly 800,000 homes and businesses are without power. At least eight people, including a mother and her infant, have died in North Carolina. And one death has been reported so far in South Carolina as a result of this storm. Let's go to CNN national correspondent Ed Levendera. He's in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Ed, what's the latest there? Well, you know, just as we come on air here this afternoon, the rainfall begins. We've had a, a little bit of a lull for the last couple of hours, uh, but now another downpour here uh, in the city. And this is one neighborhood that is emblematic of what many people in this area are dealing with. Did we lose Ed? It looks like we've, we've lost Ed. We'll try to pick him up uh, again, but joining me, now is Republican Congressman from South Carolina, Ralph Norman. Uh, Congressman, as Florence moves inland, your district is in the direct path of the storm. What are you hearing from your constituents? How are they faring? Do you think that they're prepared? Well, we haven't hit, had the brunt of it yet, uh, yeah. SE, but the, the problem that we're having now is a massive amount of rain uh, projected over the next 24 hours the winds at 30 to 40 miles an hour, uh, the down trees that are a, a hazard. We had a, a lady from one of my counties that I represent die when a tree fell down and uh, she hit it. The undermining of our roads, it's a, um, unfortunately we're still in it. It's not to the extent that the coastal counties have had, but yeah. uh, the worst is yet to come. So when you say the worst, what are you bracing for in particular? Is it, is it more flooding? Are you fearing uh, wind damage? What specifically are you most worried about? The water and the, the wind with the trees. Uh, I was talking to an airline pilot earlier, and he was talking about the uh, winds that a commercial airliner could safely land in. It was 24 miles an hour. We've had higher winds than that over the past six hours right. and probably going to have the same uh, 30 to 40 miles an hour, which are dangerous. So from what you can see um, from your vantage point, how has the federal response been to this storm? It's been phenomenal. Uh, from the governor having meetings with FEMA to the sheriffs, the chief of police, the mayors, they've had three to four meetings a day. I've mm -hmm. had briefings uh, from the governor a la in, within the last two hours. 
uh, it's been phenomenal. The communications has been good. The the United States uh, Customs uh, Patrol have been great. It's been a collaborative effort. Nine states have pitched in to help South Carolina, and we'll be grateful, forever grateful, for what what they've done. But it's it's been a great experience uh, to help with mm. a very tragic and unfortunate storm. Your that's hurricane. great to hear. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, so before I leave you, what do you say to people who might be watching who say, well, now it's just a tropical storm? Don't be goaded into a sense of false security. Stay off the roads, particularly on the secondary roads. The big problem we, we will have in South Carolina will be roads that are washed out that you can't yeah. really see unless a car is there. So stay off the roads if you mm. can. Stay inside. Thank you, Congressman, for joining us, for updating us. Stay safe uh, and continue to keep us updated. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we, we have uh, CNN National Correspondent Ed Levendera back in Jacksonville. Uh, Ed, you were saying. Sorry, I'll continue. Sorry about that. I was trying to give you a, a sense of what we're dealing with here, but there's a, a river called the New River uh, that runs through Jacksonville, and it run, empties out into the Atlantic Ocean. It's just beyond that tree line. Uh, and around 7 o'clock this morning, residents here, the water was already kind of coming, starting to appear out of that tree line. Around 7 o'clock this morning, residents here in this neighborhood noticed that it was pushing up. So it has moved up and in, crept into this neighborhood several hundred yards, already flooding several dozen homes in this neighborhood. If you look Look out back this way. Those homes that you see there in the distance probably have three to four feet of water. And in this neighborhood, we've noticed people throughout the day, uh, they've finished most of that SE, but they were scrambling. People who thought they were going to be on high enough ground really scrambling inside their homes to grab what they could and move into uh, a little bit higher up here in this neighborhood. So that's emblematic of what many people here are, are dealing with, not only in areas where um, flooding was expected, but now into neighborhoods where many people thought they would be okay, that they had been through previous storms and floodwaters didn't even get close to their homes. And in this particular storm, uh, they're seeing neighborhoods like this that are taking on water. So we just spoke with the gentleman who lives in this house. Uh, he came down just to check it out and they're all flirting with disaster for the most part as the water is just standing there at the, at the door's edge um, and any more rainfall will send water flooding into their home so that's the kind of anxiety that people here in this neighborhood are dealing with this afternoon not so much the wind uh, as you can see from those boarded up windows but the water that people are most worried about now and no way to protect against that kind of that kind of flooding. Um, thanks, Ed Levendera. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody! The George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois, on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
sure after uh, George H.W. Bush's funeral has concluded, the latest from this asshole, Trump, is that he claims his approval rating will be 75% if not for Mueller's investigation. He's, <laughs> he says <laughs> he's, a, he's a crazy bastard. Uh his approval rating, he's lucky if his approval rating ever gets to 45%. And that would be too fucking high. 35% would be too high for this man. This guy is, as I've been saying for, I don't know, for since he's been in office, um, he talks out of his ass. And we know it. Everybody knows it. The man talks out of his ass. But his supporters, his silly and doofus supporters, they eat it up. Every time I see um, approval rating of Donald Trump, and maybe sometimes his approval rating may be sitting at 33%. That's too high for this man. This man should be in the single digits, 2%. And that's too fucking high for this guy. Yeah, he is saying that, as we all know, Donald Trump is all about Donald Trump. And I've been saying that for a long time before it was fashionable, that this man is all about himself. And his lies, 
I, 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 I'm thinking that he, he done told over 5,000 lies or maybe even more, you know. I know the count is up there with these lies. He done told all of these lies. Five thousand. It's documented. I think the Washington Post has documented all of his lies. I think they have someone sitting in their office, and all they do is count his lies. Their job is never ending because this man lies on a daily basis. He lies out of his ass, and he really do expect us to believe it. He is a he is more than a hypothetical liar. He is more than a pathological liar. And he's lying right now. Whatever he's saying is coming out of his mouth, wherever he is, Donald Trump is lying. He is totally lying. He and he's all about himself. That's the reason why they didn't ask him to speak at George W. Bush's funeral. They know if that man got up to speak at uh uh uh, a former president's funeral, Donald Trump would have made it all about himself. And I think that's the reason why he looks so angry. I mean, if you've seen some of the photographs coming out of the uh, out of this funeral, and if you've seen some of the video, Donald Trump is looking pissed off. He is looking like he madder. <laughs> the man looks like he's mad at the fucking world. He looks like he, his mind, you can easily tell that his mind is not on the funeral. His mind is on going to fucking jail. His mind is on Mueller. Because Mueller is about to take his raggedy ass down. Pardon my language, folks, but this guy deserves it. And you know it. He is just awful. He is all about himself. A lot of the things that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth is dangerous. There's no doubt about it. it. It's dangerous. It's not American. It's not anything. And I've said this before in a million times, folks. Donald Trump cannot borrow money in the city, in the city, in the United States. He cannot borrow money. And that's one of the things that's pissing him off. He has, why can't he borrow money? Because he has bad credit. You cannot borrow money if you have bad credit. And he has bad-mouthed the, the banking institutions. You know, he has bad-mouthed them. They know he's a crook. They know, they know he's going to jail. They know he's a traitor. This guy is a traitor. He's a terrorist. I mean, at his rallies, all, all he does at his rallies is kick up the hate, the violence, and the terrorism. That's all he does. That's all he does. Divide the country. He doesn't give a fuck about the country being divided. Fuck it. He just, he don't care. It's all about him. And I can tell you this, folks. On Facebook and on some other, some, some of these other websites, they're ripping Donald Trump a new asshole. They are ripping, and rightly so. This, the way this man acted and and was presented the way he presented himself at this funeral the way he acted the way he was just so unengaged uninspired you know fuck it why am i here i don't know why they invited him why would they inv- they're probably telling themselves that now after the funeral is over why did they invite him america is saying 
why in the hell did you invite this clown, this buffoon, this idiot, this stupid-ass man? Why did you invite him? Well, uh, we won't invite him again. The Bush family invited him. Actually, George W. Bush, the guy, the president who just died, he didn't like Donald Trump. He didn't like him. His wife, Bush, really didn't like Trump. She didn't want Trump at her funeral. She said no. She did not want Trump at her funeral. And now he's claiming that his approval rating would have been 75% if not for Mueller's investigation. Give me a break. But he comes out with this shit every day, all the time, and he expects people to believe it. All right, you on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hello there, George. How you doing? I'm fine. Hello? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm doing fine. Can you hear me? I just want you to know that I'm a black, I'm African-American. I voted for and supported Donald Trump, in case you never okay. heard anyone call in and openly state so. You're one of the few. Of the You're issues. one of the few. Well, I met uh, – well, you know what the problem is, unlike me and probably others. Some just are afraid to openly state it because they stand chances of being facing repercussion, losing jobs, and so on and so on. But I met mm-hmm. two others that live in my area uh, just this past either Sunday or Saturday. I think it was Sunday, but I'm not sure. But I don't want to call in and make no comments further, but uh, I really appreciate what he's doing, the rhetoric and the investigation. I don't pay attention to that. You know, it's like immigration reform, tax reform. Terrorists, we know here in the St. Louis what do you, area. In St. Louis what do you area, think about you know. his performance? What do you think about his performance at the uh, Bush funeral? I didn't watch. A that. lot of people are getting in his ass about that. Mm. Wait, well, I didn't he, watch that. Okay, it was awful. Yeah, I, I watched, didn't watch it. It. It, it, and I didn't too much care about George. Bush. Well, I really, I got mixed. He done some good things, Mister George Bush Senior. Uh, here in St. Louis, he worked with Bertha Guilty, him and Jack Kemp, in order to uh, secure some tenant rights for Cochrane projects. But when he went against that he wasn't going to raise taxes, that kind of turned the tide on, as far as I'm concerned on him. But other than that, he served the country very well. Uh, he was very distinguished, and uh, I appreciate uh, the service that he gave. Yeah, I do, too. So I, 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 I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to let you get back to your show. Yeah, I just want to call in and let you know that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. The George Wilder Jr. Show is uh, on the air. And I always, always uh, want to thank the callers who call in. And it's always appreciative. But let me get back to this. We're going to take a musical break, folks. And we will be back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hang in there. We will be right back. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You Oh, 
President Trump day after day, waging a war on reality. Let's be honest. Let's talk about his relationship with reality. Confronted with facts that don't fit his view of the world, his strategy is this. It's simple. Deny, deny, deny. Okay, let's just start with today. Falsely claiming that migrant children were not tear gassed at the border this weekend. We did. We don't use it. Okay, so facts really matter, right? And the fact is, children were tear gassed. You can see that for yourself in this picture. There it is. This is a president who not only denies reality, denies what we have seen with our own eyes, he denies what members of his own administration tell him. Think about that. There is the big climate change report the White House tried to bury by releasing it on the day after Thanksgiving. A report produced by a team of 13 federal agencies. 1,656 pages full of facts, of science, and really frightening predictions about what could happen as temperatures continue to rise. Food could be scarcer. The U.S. economy could lose hundreds of billions of dollars. And thousands more Americans, quite frankly, could die. We're already seeing evidence that this country is being hurt by climate change. Farmers in Georgia could lose two and a half billion in the wake of Hurricane Michael. But when burying that report didn't work, President Trump, or President T, as he has nicknamed himself this weekend, simply said he doesn't believe it, even though it's his own administration's report. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. This is a president who's not only anti-science, he's anti-intelligence. His own CIA has concluded that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman personally ordered the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. But President T continues to define, to defend, I should say, the Saudis and the Crown Prince, saying maybe he did and maybe he didn't. And he's made it very clear why he's so willing to defend the Saudis. It's all about the Benjamins. Concerned that by now punishing Saudi Arabia more, it's just going to other world leaders that they can do as they please in America could weaken their eyes? No, not at all. Saudi Arabia has been a uh, long-time strategic partner. Uh, they're investing uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in our country. I mean, hundreds of billions. And of course, this president has consistently ignored the clear conclusion of his own intelligence community that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Tonight in Mississippi, at it again, falsely calling the Russia investigation a witch hunt. We have a lot of bad people. We have a lot of phony stuff, like the Russian witch hunt garbage. So this is not true, no matter how many times he says it. The fact is this. Three people have been sentenced to prison in the Russia investigation. Ask them if they think it's phony. One of them, George Papadopoulos, just started his sentence today. 35 people and entities have been charged with a total of 191 criminal counts. 191 criminal counts. So witch hunt? 
Not so much. So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that this president seems awfully eager to let the Russians off the hook for opening fire on opening fire on and seizing three Ukrainian vessels near Crimea. An act the president's own ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, says the international community must condemn. But the president himself was about as mealy-mouthed as he could possibly be. Why can't the tough guy be tough on Russia? We don't like what's happening, and hopefully it'll get straightened out. On the same day, the president bragged about manufacturing jobs. The previous administration, they said manufacturing's never coming back. It's gone. You need a magic wand. Well, we found the magic wand, and that's actually... That's actually going to be increasing by a lot in the next short while because we have a lot of companies moving in. That was the same day he bragged about manufacturing jobs. It was bad news for GM today. The company announcing it will cut 15% of its jobs and close five North American plants. Yet this president has nothing but bluster for CEO Mary Barra. I was very tough. I spoke with her when I heard they were closing. And I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. Empty, tough talk. Ignoring the facts, even when they come from his own administration. It seems that people only tell the truth about this president when they've got one foot out the door. Here's the latest example. Congresswoman Mia Love, a member of the president's own party. She conceded today to Democrat Ben McAdams in their Utah congressional race and slam the president for saying this. Mia Love gave me no love, and she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. Well, the congresswoman took a big gulp of truth serum and said this. This gave me a clear vision of his world as it is. No real relationships, just convenient transactions. That is an insufficient way to implement sincere service and policy. And there is another inconvenient fact facing this president. Six in ten Americans disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing as president. According to a Gallup poll out today, just 38% approve. But it's unlikely the president will get the message. Because listen to what he said in response to that classic Thanksgiving Day question. One any child can answer. What are you thankful for? What are you most thankful for, For having a great family and for having uh, made a tremendous difference in this country. I've made a tremendous difference in the country. <laughs> thankful for All himself. All about himself. <laughs> All about himself, of course. There's no kind doubt. Of says it all, it's all about him, of course. Uh, I think that's the reason why they didn't want him to speak at their funeral, because they, he would just make it, made it all about himself. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. George, is it okay if I call back? <clears throat> yeah, fine. That's fine. You're eating. You sound like you're eating. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the reason why is because I got off topic on your show. Yeah. And I think it had to do with. Uh, could you, could you remind me real quick about can I can our boys be successful? Is it? Uh, uh, can Trump be successful? No, I think he was talking about the. 
uh, your sons in your family. Oh, my son. Oh, okay. Yeah, will my son amount to anything? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, okay, I got it. Let's stay on that on the, on that topic. It, it, now, if you want your son to, to amount to something, you have to start yeah. putting in work very very early. As yeah. early yeah. as I'd say the third grade. You got to make sure that yeah. child can read. I work with this uh, chapter of the National Society of Black Engineers trying to recruit parents to introduce their children into the uh, the direction that will lead them into, you know, the STEM plus M being medical mm-hmm. field. And uh, I went to a school and school there in St. Louis. And the principal, when I was telling her what I wanted to do, which I, eventually I was able to talk to the parents, but she informed me that only 10% of a third grade class is reading at level. And then I've done some research, and in the state of California, only 75% of the black males are not reading that level. So mm-hmm. it's data like that that has to be circumvented. You, you have to expose your young people early. You have to yeah. uh, give them, uh, expose them to as much as you possibly can, see where they have a fit. Uh, report card. You cannot go by that. You have to have your child independently evaluated, and that evaluation will let you know exactly where they are. That's one reason yeah. I'm for school choice with vouchers. Yeah. Because I have yeah. been to a lot of schools, and I see young people that are just plain bored because they aren't being challenged. These are African-American schools. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a shame. I, what do you think about that? Yeah. I, I think a lot of these schools are graduating. Uh, a lot of these high schools, these public schools, or whatever you want to call them, graduating students uh, uh, not prepared for higher education. You're absolutely uh, right. And you know that. who the you know who the ultimate onus is. The onus is on the society itself, the community, because that mm-hmm. school should provide what you want to direct your child into. And if it's not doing that, then you should make some noise. And if you're not making noise, then you're just being a disservice. Now, that's another reason I voted for Donald Trump, because of his his view on school choice and his secretary of education view on school choice, too. I never have heard anyone at that level in government speak along those lines without fear of repercussion from the teachers' union, the National Education Association and American Federation of Teachers. Yeah, but I, 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 when my son was three or four years old, I did intervene in his life. I mean, I was there. I knew that he uh, was was a growing boy, and I knew he needed a lot of education. But somehow, I mean, all kids, the kids are different. They're made up different. I mean, their genes are different. Some learn fast. Some learn slow. Some don't learn at all. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what you well, do. you're right about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, here's no the point: what. you just can't let mm-hmm. them go. You have to intervene, like you done, and you have to mm-hmm. go through the process: the process of exposure, the process of listening, the process of testing, yeah, evaluating. Exactly. All those things have to be done. And I'm gonna tell you something else: you can't let your child. You know, looking at African Americans, they only it's less than four percent of the nation's engineers are you know black, and that is terribly yeah. terrible. And you can't let, believe it or not, you can't let your child decide what they want to do in all cases. You may have something there. Yeah, think about it. They're going to usually pick the lighter of the courses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah. that's another reason you uh, see so many foreigners in here doing certain things. Almost 19% of the medical doctors are Indian. That's because they got a program that direct them in this direction. But what do you have coming out of the black community? Yeah, that, that was something I, I thought about a long time ago when I would go to the doctor and I would see all these foreigners, you know, mm-hmm. from India and other places, China, but you hardly ever seen an African-American, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of these physicians were, their patients were African-Americans. There you go. In closing, what you are apparently already doing, we need to have more doing that. I directed my grandson, my last sibling, into mm-hmm. engineering. He's there now. Now mm-hmm. he also began training him in baseball when he was five. So, yeah. you know, you don't see many blacks playing baseball. Either. So I'm going to let you get uh, going. I, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry I got off a topic of your show when <laughs> I first okay. called in, but I hope I was able to recover. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Bye-bye. sir. Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening at this town of my voice. Happy New Year. You have a great one. Come up with your New Year's resolution because it's about time for it. And we're just about off the air, folks. I want to thank you for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you join me Monday. We should have a whole show, whole <laughs> an entire week of shows starting Monday. And once again, I want to say... Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for your comments. Uh, Thanks for everything that you've done for the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for listening. Most of all, thanks for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.